Welcome, 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 everyone, to another episode of Breaking Into Cybersecurity. And today we have an awesome story from Stefan. Um, I will not butcher his last name. I will let him say that because um, <laughs> I will probably say it wrong. But um, before we get to that, first, I would like to share um, if you're joining us on LinkedIn, uh, keep following myself. I don't know if Stefan, how long Stefan will be back on LinkedIn. I know he took a little hiatus. Um, but if not, um, if, you're if you're following us on YouTube, don't forget to hit that subscribe button as well as the notification button so that the next time we go live, uh, you'll be notified of us. If you're following us after the fact on your favorite podcast platform, don't forget to subscribe hit that five stars so that other people can see it and uh, write a nice review. That way we can have more visibility to more individuals. Um, the idea behind this series is to highlight the journey of individuals who have broken into cybersecurity within the past five years and for them to share their journey, their tips and tricks and everything like that. Uh, so with that being said, I introduce you to Stefan. Um, Stefan, how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing fine. Thank you for being here. It's very nice to... I follow you for a very, very long time, so I'm very glad to be here. Thank you so much. Yeah, really appreciate it. I, I know um, we, we followed each other on LinkedIn, and uh, you've created a, an enormous amount of content, and I really love the, the meticulous approach that you use. But um, let's kind of jump back to the past. Um, what was your background like? What were what were you doing before you got bit by the cyber bug? <laughs> like I started very very long ago, like twenty years ago. Um, I grew up in the mountains, and uh, I didn't like the farming stuff and the wood cutting stuff. <laughs> so I decided <laughs> to do uh, to go away from my parents' place, and I moved uh, like uh, maybe three or four hours away, and then. I made friends and they, I loved IT and that we played with uh, backdoors and hacking stuff. But at 20 years ago, there was nothing with IT. So okay. that was my first thing. And there not, was nothing with cybersecurity that was not known and it was like completely unknown. So, mm -hmm. and then I went to the military and uh, I dropped, of course, all of the bad stuff because it was not allowed. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then, like, after a couple of years working, fixing aircrafts, all of these things, then my boss saw, okay, ah, this person likes IT a lot. So I moved into the IT department. And then I was uh, responsible for everything IT related to aircrafts. Like, mm -hmm. an aircraft has usually hundreds of computers in it. And that was like a lot of surrounding things, like the maintenance system, everything in the database, everything was, I was responsible for them. Yeah, and then was wow. like, mm, this IT is uh, really cool stuff. And then I met my wife and then uh, I quit this job. Uh, I found like, I went to Airbus later and mm -hmm. then I quit this job because we want to back, go back to America. And that was a huge, huge step because America is so, so different. And then I tried to learn more English. So I got a mentor on English and he said, hey, with your background, you should go into cybersecurity. And I was very <laughs> like, okay, good. I can do that research a little bit, but not so much as I should. And I thought it was a good idea. So I started thinking, oh, cool. I, I found penetration testing interesting, but I didn't realize as an immigrant, as a penetration tester, that's completely impossible. But like everything cybersecurity related as an immigrant is impossible, essentially, or nearly impossible, but I didn't care. I didn't know it. So I went on. 
and on and after two years i got a job so that's my short story for the beginning <laughs> yeah well let, let's jump back to your time um in, in the military you mentioned that you were a, um a mechanic on the aircraft side and then your boss noticed that that you like the computers um we 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 talked to a lot of people in the military where uh they're in a similar position right and they show that interest and and one of the things that's becoming more prominent is there's gonna there's a computer in everything so what are some of the things that you did um related to computers that helped you in your career now um whether at airbus or in the military like was what i was doing was i was programming hardware essentially like there was a radar system and the radar is like a kind of intelligence so it detects like different uh other radar system and you have to take it maybe that's like a different machine or you know okay this is aircraft or this is a ground station or something else so when i programmed mm -hmm. this this time it was like a different kind of it not like really it what we know but uh, i was enjoying it and it was really cool so there's a lot of ways into IT, even though you might not work directly into IT, but uh, yeah. So you mentioned that um, your wife now wants to move back to the States and um, you're learning English. And I think this is where you and I connected in your journey, where you were starting to research more about IT. Um, tell, tell, tell the listeners about that process, because that's a, a a process that I feel too many people skip. Um, they don't do that deep discovery like you did. Um, tell them about your approach. Like first I realized like, okay, I want to go into cybersecurity because it was a kind of a dream. Like 20 years I started a little bit and I was fascinated, but I couldn't get it in Germany, but now I had a new chance. And then COVID hit and okay, it doesn't matter if I work one or two years or wait for one or two years, it was okay. So. Mm -hmm. I started what everyone is doing. So it was uh, CompTIA search, like I don't think, oh, cool, it's A+, plus, Security+, plus, Network+, plus, Server+, plus, all of these things. And then I checked the jobs and realized, okay, this is not enough. But I believed the ads that is okay to do this, but it was not true at all. And then I realized, okay, I need practical experience. And then I fall into the trap. I did the CEH class. Mm -hmm. um, so ethical hacker class on a community college. It was nice. I met a great friend, but I never took the cert because I'm, at this time I was thinking like the cert is really cool, but the value of it is pretty much low, at least in my opinion now. Mm -hmm. And then I switched back to a real hands-on course to INE's um, ECPBT and PN, PNPT course something, or the PTP yeah. course. Yeah, they changed the name yeah. right now, I think. Um, I did it with a friend. I spent like 750 hours only before this single search and I absorbed everything what I did and I even improved the search. And then I researched more and researched more and I realized, okay, as an immigrant penetration testing, mm, it doesn't work. You have to be a citizen or you have to be the citizen of your country and I'm not. So there are no jobs for me. And then I realized, okay, I might go into education so I can teach cybersecurity. Mm -hmm. And, um, but it didn't really work out well. So I tried then, okay, I cannot do this. So I added cloud knowledge because I never did something with cloud. It did the AZ 500 stuff. That's uh, Azure security part. It was really interesting. And then I realized, hmm, but maybe I should go more into the blue side of cybersecurity. So I did a lot of range for stuff and as a like, um, it's like, 
let's defend all of these other free platforms where they're out there. Mm -hmm. So I got to have very, very light, wide knowledge to become like what people say, it's a unicorn. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I realized that's not enough. That sounds very weird, but there's such a competition on the market. As an immigrant, you fight against hundreds of hundreds of people and that's not enough. So I decide, okay, I go into LinkedIn and I connect with people, with Chris and hundreds of other people um, because it was the only way for me to get a job. So I created Discords and uh, was active on LinkedIn, helped people. And that's the purpose of it, to get a job essentially. Well, I, I love that that deep discovery that you do because oftentimes you have the individuals that um, they, they only know the penetration testing. They only know the, the SOC analyst roles. Mm -hmm. But um, you went through and you, you looked at the different types of roles, whether it was cloud, teaching, um, pen testing. And one of the things that um, I really admire that you do is in helping others while doing your research, you created a lot of content. Um, tell us about your content creation process, uh, how you did it and why you did it and, and sharing it with the community. Like I, I knew like if you get a job, you have to have a website or at least a GitHub repository or anything or blog or something. And I knew this. So I decided, okay, if I research something about getting a job, anything, I write a blog. It doesn't matter if it's hand-on stuff, if it's helping others. I created a massive blog with maybe 200 pages um, and I shared it on LinkedIn and people really loved it. So, uh, because I opened eyes for others because I realized as a foreigner, it's maybe easier to see more things than if you're in a country. I don't know why, but I researched about the cheapest possible things. Like in America, mm -hmm. people spend like thousands of thousands of dollars for courses or go get a degree. It's not necessary. You can get it a bachelor's degree for under $5,000 if you want. You don't have to spend like 70000 but people don't know. But I researched it and tried to help people to get this thing cheap for the cheapest possible price. Yeah, I, I love that. And I think some of the, the content that you also created is you you took the time to synthesize a topic that you researched and break it down into a one pager um, with information graphics and everything to really show individuals that um, this is how it's done. This is the approach that I use. And this is how you can use it to achieve the outcome that you're looking for. And I think that's something that an individual who's researching it for themselves um, but also sharing with others, like that's a great way to give back to the community and to build your name. Yes, it's all about brand marketing, branding. I know Chris is like a huge fan of it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's really true. If you have like a brand, you have value and then you can get a job even though it's nearly impossible. That's in the cybersecurity, you might need it, especially if you are not like US citizen or you have a disadvantaged background, then you need like everything to get into the field, what you can do. Well, let's talk about your, your job hunting. Um, I know one of the things that I noticed while you were job hunting is that you were very selective in choosing companies to apply for based on the, the, the research that you did um, on the company, on the role. What was your process like? Um, like how many companies did you apply for? How did, what was your, your, your true approach? I only saw things from the surface. <laughs> so the reality is um, usually people in America apply for hundreds of jobs, but I think this doesn't work. 
I applied for less than five companies, essentially only for two. And I applied for the first job and it didn't work because like there was something with the contract was wrong and they maybe dropped the customer or something. So they couldn't hire me. And then I selected someone else, a different company. So I was very, very specific. So let's say that was uh, the first job had an assessment and I did like, like 10 times more than it was everyone else is doing. I did all assessments for all jobs and I did, I connected to the people before. So they knew me already long before I sent in my application. They waited for my application and that's a, a way to get a job. Is it faster than writing 100 applications? Maybe not because there's a lot of work behind. Um, but you don't get rejections, you don't deal with uh, ghosting, you don't deal with all the negative part, because if something gets wrong, then 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 the co-founder told me, hey, we, sorry, we cannot hire you because something happened that was out of our control. So, and it was okay. It was like, okay, it's not my fault. And then um, it was very easier approach. I, I love that. And not only am I a huge fan uh, of branding, but I'm a huge fan of networking. And like you said, reach out to the individuals at, at those companies, talk to them, build that relationship with them so that they're, they're telling you to apply. They're asking you to apply for that role. And then you're waiting for your application. Um, truly love that approach. Um, at, as you're building these relationships, how did you go out and uh, select the companies that you wanted to work for, the people that you wanted to talk to at those companies? Um, the selection process was pretty much easy. I talked to people and I know I trusted some people and these people talked to me about companies I never heard about before. And then I researched about this. So it was not like I was not going through LinkedIn and I never checked like job application, all of these things. I never checked job websites, anything like this, I was going through people. So I get the recommendation for this company. This company is a good company. Um, that's what I did. Wow. So, so you're literally using open source intelligence through uh, your network to find the roles on the, what we call a gray market, because sometimes those roles aren't even advertised on the job sites or on the LinkedIn or any of that. Um, so yeah, definitely great. Um, someone asked, can someone add Stefan's LinkedIn? Um, Jer Jeremiah Jackson, I don't know if Stefan will continue to be on LinkedIn. I know he recently took a hiatus, so I, I won't share that information because I don't know how much longer he'll actively be in it, but he is an active part of many other aspects of the community. So I do want to, uh, appreciate and thank him for his time there. Um, so uh, as we get back to um, your, your job hunt, wh what was the, the application, uh, the interview process since you've already built these relationships with people? Um, did you still prepare in-depthly or was it more like a conversation with friends? <laughs> the funny thing is like I got, um, I mentored people before, like dozens of dozens of people and one of my mentee got a job. So, and he wanted me as a coworker and he said to me, apply for this job. And like, I applied maybe in a day. So I didn't have much time to prepare like a very, very focused uh, resume, all of these things. It was just my standard resume. And then later I got like, I talked to the manager and they gave me like a home practical homework. So like this job was not, didn't have any requirements of uh, certifications or degrees. They want just to see if I can do this job. Mm -hmm. So I did this assessment. It took me like a week because it was a very complicated assessment, but I really enjoyed it. And then 
And then I got this job. Like I have like, I think it was a three or four step of interview, but it was not very complicated. It was more like talking to friends. So nice, nice. Um, one of the questions we have from, from um, Minaj, um, they're working as a SOC analyst and they have knowledge in ArcSight and you're considering some of their past. Um, what are your recommendations? Like um, right now, there are many ways you can um, get to the next level, essentially, like one or two or three. But I wouldn't recommend it unless you really like this area. You can go into into engineering roles. Like you can see, like and check the top descriptions for security engineers, because at least in the US, I don't know where you are. In the US, this is the biggest uh, area where you can get jobs. Cybersecurity can be anything between cloud. It can be... GSC, it can be anything, but read all of this top description and you see ah, what's the biggest thing, what you want to do, and then study this, and then maybe do home labs with it, and then uh, go up with it. Like right now, I'm working for, for Greylock, that's a different sim. Um, I'm working as a sim engineer, so I develop sims, but essentially, you can work in a big SOC, maybe there is a sim engineer, it could be the next level for you. A sim engineer is like a person who is like setting up all of these agents, all of these things. There are many, many ways to go up. Thank, thank you, Stefan. I, I, uh, Stefan, I've, I found that question especially um, interesting since you were exactly in that space. And that's the same recommendation I would give is um, if, if you, don't want to work in a sock, go into that that engineering type role. Um, and they, they mentioned, well, they only have um, basic knowledge of Windows and VMware. Well, that's, that's where you're gonna have to step up your game, wh where you're gonna have to learn more so that you can implement um, understanding the logs that you're ingesting, what they mean and what they mean to the business so that you can uh, move up in your role. Um, Stefan, would you mind sharing your website with uh, all of your blogs, if that's okay? Yes, of course. I know Larry for a very long time, so no problem with them. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, we'll share the links uh, for for those listening later in um, in the chat. Um, so you you had this uh, interview. You you're now in this company. What do you do to keep up with uh, cybersecurity with your role? Like right now, I feel like what most people feel like it's like so overwhelming. I'm learning a completely different thing. Like I was studying 5,000 hours before I get this role or 4,000 hours, something like this. But I still, I feel I don't nothing about it because cybersecurity is such a big field. Now I work with regex and uh, programming stuff and all of these things, but I never touched before very, very little. And I think that's standard for everyone. So if you get a job in cybersecurity, it doesn't matter where it is or what it is, you will learn a lot after it. It doesn't matter how many thousands of hours you invest before, you will suffer for the next <laughs> months or years. <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, just, it's just too much. It's just insane. Yeah. I know it's a, a never-ending process. Um, we, ha we have another question. Um, what what's the correct way to approach people on LinkedIn after you connect if you're looking for roles? What would you recommend? I would do the easiest things. What I see people just ask me, do we have a job? This is the wrong approach. You should go to the website, 
and say, okay, that's maybe a job what you like to do. And then say, okay, I want to have more information about this job. Let's say there's a SOC analyst role and you say, okay, what, what SOC, what uh, sim do you use? All of these things, or you maybe you do research and then you have this additional information and then you can say, okay, I like this company. Then you get the knowledge. Most sims have like a demo version or a free version. So you can download it, install it on your home lab. And then if you go into an interview and if you get it, then you can say, I, in, I install everything and I wrote a blog about it. And this impresses people. Like I did the same. Um, I'm working for Greylock, but like a month before I created a big home lab. So I set up everything. I did even like a small webinar with it just because I liked it. And yeah. that's why how I get the job. That's a that's that's a great great thing to do. And one of the things that I recommend is um, that that's one way that you could become a subject matter expert in, in a new area by researching it, by um, creating publications on it, whether it's a blog, a post, interacting with the community, and or doing like a webinar in your home lab. Um, let's talk about that. What what's what's your home lab like? <laughs> My home lab is pretty big. I have a machine with uh, 64 gigabyte of RAM and like there are dozens of different machines are running in it. They run security onion, um, like Kali Linux. That's a very, very large lab, but I would go focused if you do this. If you want to be a SOC analyst, then install all tools that are related to that. If you want to become a security engineer, then you think about what kind of security engineer, then install this program these things because you have only a limited amount of time. So there's like limitations on your time. Be very specific mm -hmm. what you want and learn exactly this. I, I, I love that. I think um, all too often individuals look at cybersecurity and they get overwhelmed mm -hmm. with the variety of different roles, what to learn, what to do. And it, it really comes back to um, figuring out where you want to go and then uh, reverse engineering it to what are the skills and competencies that you're gonna have to learn, what are the technologies you're gonna have to learn, um, everything like that. Um, we have a question from the guest. What excites you about the future of cybersecurity? I think one cool thing is uh, it learning never ends and there's never, it will never be the same. Like right now, maybe I'm working as a sim engineer and I develop the project as a product, but maybe in five years, this product looks completely different because I changed the product and I really like this. So it's like, this is a very diverse field and a very changing field. It's not static at all. So you're constantly, you have to improve your mind or you challenge your mind to learn new things. You don't get old, I think. Or old very quickly, it depends. <laughs> <laughs> so um, like thinking about that, right? Like. Um, how do you, as a, a, a sim developer, figure out like the things that you want to add or change in that? Do you work with blue teamers? Do you work with red teamers to see what you're doing so that you can think about the potential logs that you need to ingest, how you need to ingest them, how you need to then correlate them, um, parse them? Like, uh, how, how, What's your approach to that? Like right now, I feel like I'm a completely noob, so I have to learn my own software <laughs> first. But I, of course, uh, of course um, what I'm doing is like I will take like 
penetration testing classes and I will take uh, blue classes and blue certifications. So during this time, I will digest the logs. So I install my software there and then I will see, okay, if I take this machine, what logs do I get? So and I, I then, then I develop my roles, my rules, and all of these things. And that's how I can improve my product. And it's a very wide thing. Sorry. Yeah, that, no, no, that's a great point. Um, I think all too often when individuals, they say, oh, well, I don't have a home lab. I don't have a, a, a big machine. Um, you, you can use something like Hack the Box. Um, when you do an attack, figure out what logs are being generated and then write a report about that, like reverse engineer the process. Like if you're a red teamer, you do this, this, and this. And then if you're a blue teamer, you do this, this, and this in order to block their progress. Or if you're in DFIR, these are the logs that are generated along the way, and this is how I can find them. Yeah, like each job is different, but in like just in five years, I could work as easily as a penetration test, as a blue team, or even as a purple member, because my knowledge is very, very wide. But each job is different. So if you never heard about a sim engineer, then it might be interesting for you to develop something like this. Why not? <laughs> so Absolutely. Um, so for those that, that are listening and they might not know uh, the difference between red, blue, and then purple that you mentioned, um, how would you describe that to them? Like blue is the defender side usually, like SOC analyst is usually the people, what people most know. Um, but it could be threat hunter, maybe it's the next level. That's most threat hunters don't work shift, so it could be a better thing. Um, the red side is a famous penetration testing side, and uh, like purple is my is uh, you know both, or you work together in a team. You are red, you are attacking the machine, and you're sitting next to the blue team and tell me, okay, now you should see me there. Then you can teach him if he if he doesn't see it, so he can say, okay, you he has to change the locks. Because mm -hmm. let's say um, Microsoft doesn't block PowerShell on standard or many other things. So you can tell me it changed the setting so you can catch me the next time then, okay, you got me. That's the goal of a purple teamer. Yeah, absolutely. And that's one of the, the ingenuities of being in cybersecurity. Um, there's many different ways to look at it and you can even combine roles and create a new role um, because we're, we're ever evolving. Um, as we're approaching the, the end of the episode, how would you recommend someone following in your footsteps? Um, what are some of the things that they should do? Mm, my biggest thing is I always have a very, very clear goal. Know what you want to do and check if it is realistic or not. If you're a penetration tester, want to be a penetration tester, you know you have a competition, maybe you compete against 400 people or more. Try to find your way. If you go this way, then you know the price to take off this. You have to do a lot of things. But if you go into GLC, maybe you have a loss, less competition. But you need a very, very specific goal so you don't waste time. And you can transfer later, but stick to a goal and research about your goal. And that's the main thing, I think. I like it. So create that goal, create the milestones along the way. And you, you mentioned GRC and Pentester, like, um, how did you differentiate between being technical or potentially being non-technical uh, and going down that path? Or were, was your background in uh, computers and mechanics like always kept you on the technical side? Yes, like I'm, I love technical stuff. Like I worked in a kind of gear role at Airbus, 
Um, but I really never liked it. You have to go to conferences, you have to talk to develops, to developers and have to tell them what they are doing wrong and you are being with the master brain and they get frustrated and you have to be very, very good social skills to do this. So it's like a very challenging job, um, but I love the technical stuff. Like I'm a shy person, so it's like it was not the right thing for me, but uh, you don't have to be technical to be in, in cybersecurity. So. Absolutely, and I would say like you mentioned very earlier in this podcast, um, you considered being a, a teacher or a trainer in cybersecurity because you learn so much about the different roles. You learn so much about the processes and that could be a way in um, or even uh, awareness or something like that. Yeah, like there's no limits. Just find your goal and get in, whatever it is. So if you had to now summarize um, everything into one piece of sage advice, uh, what would that be? Mm, difficult. Like work hard <laughs> and get it. <laughs> it's so, so much determination work. and persistence. Yeah, it's so much work to get into this field. It's just crazy. And don't be afraid. Well, just do it. <laughs> yeah, just do it. Exactly. Uh, test, test your limits and go as far as you want to go. Well, uh, Stefan, thank you so much for your time. I truly appreciate it. Uh, for those listening on LinkedIn, be sure to follow me. Be sure to follow the Breaking Into Cybersecurity uh, channel. For those following on YouTube, don't forget to subscribe, hit that notification button so you see us next Friday again at 1 p.m. And for everyone listening on podcast, subscribe and share with your friends and family. Thank you very much and have a great day. Fine. <laughs>